большое, Дмитрий. Yo, yo, welcome everyone to a Halloween special edition of Weird Growth, the podcast where we hear about the strange and unpredictable journeys that founders find themselves on. Uh, we, we thought that we needed to do a Halloween party. It's called Weird Growth. It kind of all fits together. Uh, so here we are at Claysbrook Design Community. Um, very excited to do this. And to tonight we have an extremely special guest, Tim Brewer, who is the CEO of Functionally. Tim, well, Functionally was founded in 2018 with co-founder Damien Bramanis and consists of a global team, a, a fully remote team, mm -hmm. who've worked with companies including Dropbox, uh, Teamline, Ortho, Ortho, Yammer and Health Engine. Uh, in 2020, the team won a, a 600 grand accelerating commercialization grant from the feds and this year, very excitingly, very recently, mm. Functionally has also secured $3.6 million in seed funding. Congratulations, yeah. Tim. Awesome. We'd love to talk about that a little bit further on. Um, and so you're all about your mission to disrupt the organisational design industry and bring simple to use software to all companies. Tim, you're going to be able to introduce yourself better than I can. Can you please let everyone know how you would <laughs> normally introduce yourself? No, I think you did it. <laughs> well, probably a longer job. I'm like, hey, I'm Tim. I surf a little... CEO a little, and I'm pretty fun. Uh, but tonight, it's Halloween, so I came... You can just tell we're in Western Australia. Yeah. Like, I spent a stint in the US. When Halloween is on, you got to go all out. So I've come as Steve Irwin today. I had a friend up the back there. My wife's dressed as Terry. She even did her <laughs> hair for it. And I came in a wig. Barely any of my friends in the audience, for those who are listening in Creeped remotely. everybody out with they that even thing, man. didn't... I hugged a few people and they were like, I don't even know who I'm hugging. Kind of know, kind of uh, feel familiar. I'm like, it's me. Uh, so, but the wig's off now. So, yep. and so you are fresh out of quarantine from, direct from the US? Yep, fresh out of quarantine. Uh, this, <laughs> this last quarter's been pretty intense. So there's a few right. things you didn't mention we got done in the last little bit. So obviously, yeah. uh, closed a funding round in the last quarter. Congrats. We also launched a free intelligent org chart product, which we did that in the US. So I flew across to the US for that. It is extremely complex to travel right now. So oh, I spent right. some time in quarantine on the way back and had to get permission to leave. Wow. So I'd be breaking the law. It's very, very complex. I mean, we're in Western Australia, so we can celebrate the fact we've, by and large, been fortunate to avoid most of COVID's damage so far. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Uh, and I also had to have open heart surgery last quarter. So I actually had a month off, handed over the reins of the company to Damien Bramanis, and uh, went in to get a new aorta valve. Um, it was an upgrade, so I'm cool. Like, I'm not just getting it for the sake of it. Yeah, man, you've uh, leveled I feel, up. I feel really good. Um, I'm very, very lucky, very fortunate. It's probably, if anything, kind of focused my attention on, on what we're to do next. So, yeah. So, yeah. Well, we're very fortunate to have you here on the stage tonight. I mean, um, wanting to come along for a long time. So thank I'm you really so much, mate. To be here. Um, and so, really keen to get into the functional story and learning about how you grew that yeah. business from, from the ground up. Um, but before we do, uh, little pop quiz. I kind of feel okay. like I'm growing. Like we're still so early in the journey. Right. There's um, still plenty to do. Uh, even, even though it feels like raising money and, and uh, getting to where we got to a good milestone, I'd have to say like being a startup founder is for everyone that's gone through that process, including yourself, is like super, super hard work. So I don't want kind of like, for the things that we're going to talk about today, I don't want it to feel like we're 
yeah. under, underplaying how much so hard work it is. So you've gone from like 0 to 1.5. Yeah, that's maybe. right. Yeah. We're going okay. like version 0.3 or something like that. Sure. No, no. We, another way I say it sometimes to the team, I'm like, oh man, it's so good. We've gone from 93% chance of failing to like, we're at 85% chance of failing. Ooh. So things are going way better. Yes. Um, okay, so quick pop quiz. If... For whatever reason, you were to start a brand new business from scratch today, mm-hmm. what would it be and who would you be helping? Oh, man, what would it be? Um, I don't know. I, I, I haven't been speaking to enough people thinking yeah. about what's <laughs> You're doing your missing in the world. We're yep. pretty busy with functionally. I know who it would be with, but... Yeah, okay. Um, it'd, it'd be with people that are... And I think our team classes this. Like, I like working with people that I would describe as kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and athletic. And I don't mean physically, so I don't want you sitting there going like, oh, wow, that's really exclusionary. I mean, in a sports team, people roll up prepared. Like, they don't come to training and that's the only training they do in the week. They're prepared in their own time. They want to come and win. And they're not just here for one game. They're here for the entire season and they want to win the cup. And so when I work with people, I think about the same thing, um, which is kind of the inverse of what I hear a lot of people talk about their companies. Like, oh, we're just like a family. I can tell you what, I've got an uncle I don't want in my family. <laughs> yeah. And so um, w- when it comes to work, <laughs> I kind of want to work with a team of athletes that I, are, you know, have the same thoughts in mind, come prepared, ready to roll. And we lead like that and we've been lucky enough to attract people like that as well. Yeah, nice. And it's obviously the cool thing that you're building, you know, it's kind of meta, but you're building a tool to help teams improve yep. themselves and work better together. And, you know, the team that you've created around functionally is top class, world class. So, well done on that, Thank mate. you. It's awesome. I think so, anyway. Shout out to John Oakley. Yeah. Jokely. All of them. Check There's the someone t- here tonight. We do well have a couple of yeah. team member there. John Oakley. John O. Head of engineering. Great guy. Awesome team. Um, <laughs> how did you first get into tech? How did I get into tech? It was a bit of an accident, honestly. I was working in... I was working in a uh, surf shop. The and surf I went into, shop? Oh, let's Which go one? back. Mum wouldn't let me not study. Oh, I tell you, it's a funny story. Mum wouldn't let me not study. I wanted a gap year. I wanted to surf. Mm-hmm. I wanted to surf a lot. I was a reasonable surfer. I could compete. She's like, you're not doing surfing. That's not a real thing. I would like you to at least study something. So I went through the uh, TAFE handbook at the end of year 12, and I was like, I think I want to do nautical fishing because you eat fish one day a week, you catch fish one day a week, and you learn to not crash boats a day a week. And so I got to surf four days a week, went and got a job at a surf shop thinking that would equate to the same feeling as surfing, which it did not, and then ended up in community services. And at about 26, 27, a friend of mine, uh, I would always kind of gravitate towards just helping people out with their business. Yep. And a friend of mine, I was doing that late one night with a, a catastrophe that we was having. And a couple of weeks later, he was like, actually, I think I need a partner for my business. I'm like, man, that's a great idea. And he's like, I would like you. I'm like... That's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'm in. Uh, my entry into business was a traditional IT services firm. We had just a handful of people, mm-hmm. no systems at all. I know this because I asked, like, oh, I need to call one of our 14 customers. Where would I get the details? And they're like, Steve, his name was Steve. Great, one of the best partners I've had. I'm like, oh, Steve will know. Oh, what do you mean Steve will know? Like, there'll be a spreadsheet or a, it'll be an MYOB. And they're like, no, no, Steve will know their number. I'm like, oh my goodness, we don't even have a spreadsheet with a list of our customers on. Just in his head. Uh, and we sold that business in 2010 with about 54 people and I ended up working for a listed company. So my, my wow. 
community services into business. At the same time, I started my MBA. So I did kind of like back it up with, with other efforts. Your mum would have been stoked. My mum was like, wow, you actually went and studied <laughs> some hard stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she seems fine now. She never asks about what I'm up to. She kind of trusts that. It's nice. So can you tell us about the Functionally story and how that began uh, beyond that first sort of little phase? Yeah, so I spent some time living in the US post-exiting the company that bought us um, and ended up working for some larger software companies there. I wanted to learn more about software. Software is a more efficient business model than services. Is it ever? Um, And so uh, after that, I thought I'd just come back and get involved in another business that I would be some kind of partner in. And it worked out I couldn't find anything big enough or interesting enough to do. And so I just helped other people out. And the most common thing they used to ask me to do was uh, help get the structure of their company right. So people, as they would grow, things would get out of whack. Uh, People would be doing things that no one knows about. People would be doing things someone else in the company is doing. Um, And eventually I tried to help people structure their own companies rather than being a consultant. I had to yep. be a consultant. So why does that happen in, in a business? Why, why do you get to the point where people don't know what they're doing? I think fundamentally change is really hard mm. and it's really complex. Like it's too complex to calculate in the human mind real mm. easily. Particularly mm-hmm. like we're not talking, you know, companies with 30 or 40 or 50 people. You can kind of work it out on a whiteboard. If you've got 500 people, it's super duper difficult. Yeah. You can't be at everyone's desk. Now everyone's remote. You can't like, oh, what's... Jill doing, oh, I watched you working till 4.30 on Friday. Must have been like real high output for our company. Yep. Um, yeah, all of those things. Well, I mean, you laugh, but you probably have worked for someone who walks around at 4.30 on a Friday to make sure like people are still at their desk. Like what kind of antiquated management style is that? That's really, really common. Mm. Um, and one of the companies that we had done work for built a prototype product and said, this should really be software. And I told them it's a terrible idea. And after trying to kill the idea for six months, we uh, started working on different prototypes to see if we could solve it with software. Cool. And you've worked with some pretty big sort of headline companies in the US and things. What can you tell us about that? What did you learn? Uh, well, I had different experiences, quite honestly. Yeah. So uh, software's great. It's a really efficient business model when you get it right. And it's kind of funny now, actually, reflecting back on it. This is in twenty like 11, 12, 13, uh, when software, no one was really listed on the stock exchange doing SaaS. Now it is like a massive chunk of the the uh, big stock exchanges are all SaaS. So this was kind of back pre that, just to give everyone context. Yeah, yeah. Um, I worked for a couple of different companies. One was still found, actually both of them were still founder-led. Uh, I worked for Dropbox and helping them craft their global channel program for Dropbox for Business just after oh, wow. they rebranded from Teams. Probably the best company I'd ever worked for. Amazing. I really, really enjoyed my time there. Um, very nearly stayed well, yeah, uh, right. in the US, which we hadn't planned to do. We planned to go for a year and come home. Yeah. Uh, well. And then, so yeah, I think, look, um, it was a really great experience and I got to see what broke me when I came back to Western Australia is just the sheer size and scope of the problems they were solving mm. and the scale in which they were solving them. So what, what it did, which was difficult for me, is everything I looked at when I was back in Perth was like too small, too small, not big enough. Like I just kind of had this new lens that I looked at the world through. Now probably we all realise that there's a lot of great companies that are operating in Perth, but back in that day it was like super early. Do you think we 
don't quite have that global from day one mindset here in little old Perth? Is that what it is? Or What do you think? I think it's something we really struggle with. Mm. Um, I don't know why. So I don't want to like... You think like being an isolated city, we would be looking for as many opportunities yeah. to break like out of that, right? I've been trying to escape for ages. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's like the most amazing lifestyle city in the whole world. So I know why people want to hang here. Yeah, bang on. Uh, and it's why I want to hang here. But I think that the most valuable thing I did is went and got experience in another geography in mm-hmm. a company that was dealing in everywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that I would encourage my kids and other people. I'm like, go and find yourself an opportunity where you're doing that, where it's gl- truly global and has kind of product market fit that's inescapable, it'll change the way you look at problems you think should be businesses early on as yep. you look at them. Obviously, want to talk way more about functionally, but just yep. before we move on from Dropbox, what did you see inside that organisation that was the key to its growth? Like, what was the... Was there something about the culture or yep. the way that they did things? What was it that really unlocked their global There are growth? three things. I've actually never been asked this before really? publicly, you know. There were three things. They had two co-founders and they were both very humble and super smart. Like, not a little bit smart. Like, crazy, crazy smart. And um, not socially inept. Like, they were both pretty good to, to communicate with. Yeah. But I think that ended up reflecting the whole organisation. So, you had this really healthy... And they were very, very different. So, a really healthy, high-trust relationship in their co-founders. Yeah. That's still there. Yeah. You had an organisation that was full of really, really smart people. Like everyone had a side hustle. The side hustles were normally like someone had to explain to me. I remember skating when I did the interview, Vicky and me drove up from, uh, we are in Las Vegas at the time. We drove up across the country to San Francisco and I skateboarded around there then two football field long office with a hundred <laughs> to 200 people and life was so empty. Wow. And only a year later, they were completely full and bursting at the seams and growing in other places. Incredible. You kind of walked around and everyone was, um, even though they were really smart, like Mensa smart, I think they had 10 Mensa fellows, had the best salespeople they could find from their companies, but they declined so many people through the interview process. Right. They weren't humble. So you had really? smart and humble which means even though they're like a genius across from you, they're still like asking you questions. Like they can learn a whole lot from you. Yep. And if you multiply that out into a team, everyone learns really, really quick. And their rate of learning was exceptional. And I yep. think it was to do with their humility. So that was match, intentional. Match we don't want Absolutely. genius assholes. All the time we'd be like, man, we just can't get a, this particular hire approved. I'm like, particularly in parts of the organisation that lend themselves to more brazen, yep. uh, high-ego individuals. Yeah, and there's a so, lot of alpha yeah, energy Yeah, they're like, oh, space, I'm so yeah. amazing because I've done all these things, which is a bit of an American thing sometimes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, the founders would be like, or, or whoever's interviewed, be like, nah, you don't need to fit our culture. So that, that I felt was really important. And I, I still think that's important now to enjoying work and having people have empathy and want to learn from each other, even if they are the, literally the smartest person in the room, John Oakley. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the <laughs> definition of a high-performance team is a group of people who are deeply invested in the growth of everybody around them. It's not yeah. just about themselves. And that's the thing that differentiates any other team from a high-performance team is that everyone is w- looking for ways to improve everybody around them. Yeah. 
so that humbleness probably definitely is an I, indicator of that, right? Look, there's lots of different ways to build great teams and ultimately people are going to define you by your wins. Mm-hmm. But the way I think we can get there and get there having more fun is by what we've just discussed. Yeah, thanks, Tim. That's great. Pleasure. For functionally, the big problem that you're solving, how do you describe that? Um, I've got a few different ways we would describe it. I would say that we help leaders fix the gaps, cracks and overlaps that form in their organisations as they grow like, and that, get enough people. That's a slick line, mate. Yeah. Gaps, cracks and overlaps. Um, and when people want to lead change to fix those gaps, cracks and overlaps, they want to understand the impact and implications of the changes they're going to make. Yep. And then they want to lead effective change in their organisations. And so in those kind of three statements, I guess we've carved out where we think the biggest problems on the planet mm-hmm. emanate from as mm-hmm. it relates to organisation structuring yep. or org design is probably what people most commonly know it as. Yeah. So we yep. think about having an intelligent org chart. You will see us move into uh, continuous org design, which is a huge shift we're seeing when, when we start talking about the marketing, a huge shift we're seeing in the market from like big corporate restructures that are disruptive and painful and take so long that by the time you finish them, stuff's not right anyway, to like more of a continuous structuring approach. Cool. And then to like effectively being able to lead change in your organisation, whether it's one person changing a role or whether it's, you know, 5,000 people that need to be restructured to yep. be the right structure post-COVID or post some other externality. Awesome. My wife's an organisational psychologist and I'll learn a little bit of this uh, by osmosis, but something that you do see is like as an organisation grows. I learn off so many of them, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Anytime you want to like spill the beans on what you've learned, I'll happily, <laughs> anytime. But even with a small team of five, you add one extra person and that doubles the amount of relationships that there are in that organisation. And so it becomes this exponential like growth of just the number of one-to-one relationships that you have and it very quickly becomes far more complex, as you were saying, than you can even yeah. imagine. Damien, my co-founder, is the mathematician. He doesn't like me telling people because we have this constant argument about pi and I'm always like a simplest, so I'm like, pi as is three. And he's like, no, it's not. Pi is like 3.7, like in a way he goes and calls out to the, like, the <laughs> 27th decimal what or whatever he gets to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like he can mathematically go through what happens. You know, you end up with 500 people in an organisation. You don't have 500 times the complexity. It's like a, yep. like billions of points of complexity compared to having three people. Um, right. You get to that point, you can't calculate in your mind, you make a batch of bad decisions or it's so painful you just won't change. You end up with a company that's way out of alignment. Ultimately what happens in those companies and you may have experienced this, is individuals feel the pain of poor organisational design. Mm. It's not, yeah, sure, the outcomes are bad. You might not make as much money. You might not achieve your goals. Competition might take you out. It's actually the individuals in the organisation that um, not only feel that pain, but we we think suffer under it and probably a huge amount of their mental health issues that are caused when you're talking to people like, hey, how's work, work contributing to this? A huge amount actually comes from... Uh, flows through to the individuals from work. Sure. So, yeah, big important problem to solve. Massive, yeah, and it's so important just from, you know, if work's a big chunk of your life that you wake up on Monday morning and look mm. forward to going to your place of work and having a group of people around that you enjoy spending time with. 
yep. you're going to be a, a far more productive member of that business as well. Uh, so important. How did you... So you, you identified this really important big problem. How did you first get started? What was the first step towards making it well, a reality? I, I kind of, before we got started, it was like a professional service, right? People would get me in to help kind of uh, rethink the way their organisation be structured. So, so consulting? Honest, yeah, it was kind of consulting. I didn't want to do that. Just they kept asking. So mm-hmm. I would do it in spreadsheets. So I worked in reverse, which is, okay, what does everyone in the organisation, what does what your organisation need to do? What is the DNA of your organisation? What are the f- business functions that it need to do, which is where our name comes from currently? Yep. And um, we'd then work backwards and try and work out who did what. And then in that process somewhere, every leader goes, oh my goodness, Johnny's doing stuff that we no longer need done. <laughs> and then like... You know, someone's like, oh, man, I'm doing the same thing that this other executive's doing. No wonder we're, like, at war with each other over who's responsible. Um, and then, you know, you get uh, all these gaps, cracks, and op- people fall through the cracks. You get overlaps in accountability. and So that's, like, a lot of consulting is just holding a mirror up to an organisation. Showing them what they already know yeah, and much. doing. Yeah, But it's a big... So the real challenge, we spent... When we got going on the idea, I got Damien to help build my first prototype... Mm. He interviewed everyone without me present, which was really interesting. I think it's because I people like want to be nice to me because I'm fun. <laughs> and so they, they're not going to tell him the truth. So he's like, oh, I don't really want you at any of these customer interviews. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, then he came back and he's like, holy crap, this is amazing. Like, this is a really big, juicy problem. Um, yeah, sure. And w- within a couple of weeks of working on the prototype, before, long before we had product market fit, I yep. said, hey, you're you're a really great founder. He'd already founded another business that I'd invested in. And so that was um, Team Ahoy? Uh, yeah, Team Ahoy, which yeah. became BusyBot, which then someone tried to sue him for the trademark for, so it became TeamLine. So it, but it was basically like a team task tracking thing on Slack, yeah. and it was really cool, actually. Yeah, they, yeah. Had, like, they got 6.5 million users, so he did pretty, pretty Holy good. Holy moly. Him and one other engineer built that from scratch. He's incredible. He would be an incredible interview, by the way. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, just the warm-up act. dude. Yeah. <laughs> Get him on the next uh, next Halloween oh, episode. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> loves oh, dressing up too. Damien loves dressing up. What do you reckon he'd come as? The stingray. I don't, <laughs> don't want to... <laughs> uh, I don't want to burst... He's your co-founder. Yeah, I don't want to burst the surprise. I felt like I could put some tomato sauce on this outfit. Then I we'll felt like, oh, maybe that would be like too soon. <laughs> I have friends in America that still talk like Steve Irwin because they loved him so much. So I've got to be a bit careful. Crikey. Crikey, mate. A bit disrespectful. How did you reach your first customers at Functionally? Uh, hustle, man. You just, friends, anyone we could talk through. Wait, there is an exception. So there's three reasons why we wouldn't get going. I tried to, I was trying to kill the idea, generally. Like, I've got, like, I loved what I was doing. I had this super free life. I, was, I knew being a CEO was going to be super bloody difficult. Yeah. Um, and so life was good. And so I set pretty high bar. We had to raise money for our prototyping. We had to find a customer that would buy the product that I didn't know. Uh, I had to find a co-founder and build a team that uh, I wanted to work with. We talked about that before. So there's all these people that were like, including John Oakley back then. He was like, oh, I'll help build your prototype. I he was had no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> I think he may have been at a party and he had had a few. But um, he definitely said that. Um, and then Damien wanted to join, like, said yes to being a co-founder. I, I wouldn't say he'd wanted to join me, but he accepted my proposition. Um, and I was flying back from the US on a trip and on a plane, ended up having a, another founder who had a much bigger company and been like, oh man, that's exactly what we need and wow. signed a contract with us. Uh, and 
raised an angel round and, and that was the signal to like, oh, I can't really say I'm killing it anymore. We've got to go and prototype and work out how to take something that was a consulting thing that we knew there was a big problem. I had conviction on both. How do you turn in that into a product-led solution? And that's what took the hardest. And we've been going at, we've been going pretty well since May last year when we launched the current product. It probably took us two years in all earnest to yep. work out what was the wedge into the problem that allowed us to be product-led in our approach. Right. Or self-service orientated. So you don't... So it's because essentially what you've done is transition from the knowledge that you've built up over years of seeing this problem firsthand, consulting, helping people solve it in their businesses and trying to turn that into a piece of software that which helps them solve that mm. problem, right? It's a little bit more complex than of that. Of course, yes. Um, no, I'm not, and I'm not crit- criticising the question because it's sure. a really good question, but I'll, I'll break it into kind of two parts. So one thing was I had the experience to be able to say this is a genuine and large-scale problem that affects every company on earth yep. that has more than 25 people. So the domain knowledge and the insight. That is definitely that. there. We'd gone and done a bunch of research on it. Mm-hmm. Um, what we didn't understand is from a customer perspective, what is the first thing you go and do when you're thinking, man, my company is not structured very well or I'm a brand new CEO at a company and I need help with the structure of my company. So that's what took us the most amount of time to work out what the, the wedge is and that didn't come from my domain knowledge. That came from sitting with customers and just listening. Right. Yeah. And that's super important because that's where you capture them at that first initial spark of we have a problem we need Mm. to find a solution yeah and you want to be there when they're looking for that solution right yeah absolutely and we have the best like so many fun examples where like me and damien were traveling in sydney to pitch to some investors it's like very early jumped on the plane got stuck on the tarmac because of an engine issue and the person sitting next to us was a 600 person company ceo just in the role and she's like what do you do like oh we work on this like org design thing she's like oh I have that problem right now. I have to, <laughs> and I could tell you exactly what she said. And for like an hour, she talked about how she does all the work in her home office because it's like really sensitive when you're moving people around an organization. Sure. Like, anyway, so we learned all this Whoa. stuff, and you just like multiply that by a hundred and stop thinking about what you think how to solve the problem and go how would you solve the problem for that customer, and eventually you'll hit on something. By October, it was about probably thirteen or fourteen months in, we developed a pretty strong conviction about how we could take something to market. So, so who would you say is your perfect client? Um, uh, or do you call yeah. them a customer? No, I don't mind client or customer. Yeah. I think we we will likely have partners in our future. Partners, yeah, nice. And so partners have clients and we have customers. Um, that, that's just the way I define it. Um, I think I would define them as someone that is a company of greater than 25 people our most valuable customer exists in a, a company that's greater than 75. Our average trial right now is like 880 staff. Well, like The companies finding us are friggin' enormous and we, we did not expect that day one. The second thing I'd say, it's not a person. Like sometimes it's a CEO, sometimes it's a COO, sometimes it's an EA. It's all these different people. But our most valuable customer and the one that we're truly trying to make a rock star is what we call an org geek. Um, the person we sat next to in the plane is an org geek. You are likely an org geek. I've <laughs> met org geeks at Facebook in the design division. I've met them at eBay in the monetization division. Like, we just find them and they just have this deep care. And um, Ty is an org geek. He's sitting the really tall guy there in the really bright jacket. Um, Ty Hayes, f- check out growthgenerators.com. Yeah, yeah. Ty is a 
we love all geeks and we think that there's these people that are monstrously underserved by like PowerPoint, you yep. know, Lucid Chart, all these terrible tools. Or stuff on the other side of the equation, they're like, oh, just use the HR system. It's got an org chart. And they're like, oh my God, like <laughs> clearly don't understand. And so what we're trying to do is build a tool for the org geeks of the world to go and successfully and effectively lead org change. That yeah, might nice. not be them standing at the front, like, but that's them having the tools to be able to do that. Um, now the opposite part of that coin, so we've got org geeks, is who are we ultimately competing against? And the opposite side of the equation is institutional consultancy firms. Accenture, Deloitte, BCG, McKinsey, who charge millions of dollars to send a team of kids out of grad school who'll come and disrupt your company for three months (laughs) and then put together a really amazing PowerPoint slide because that's what they're very good at. Love a good PowerPoint. And say, this is how you should be structured. This is why you should be structured that way. We think we can do that for all geeks at scale across the globe, and that's what gets us up in the morning. Yeah, we're not. They do a great job. I'm not having a go at them. I mean, subtly, yeah, sure, I want to disrupt the hell out of them. But um, that—that's the—that is our competition in market. So, how do you go from randomly meeting strangers on a plane stuck on the tarmac to scaling <laughs> your customer acquisition? To a globe on a global scale, how yeah, do you I mean, reach these people? They never became a customer, so I'll oh, say well, that. that's fine. But yeah, just good data um, intel. I mean, you, like we do with our brand, you just do a lot of listing and eventually customers will tell you. So in the, the process of doing those interviews, customers would th- say things like, for example, on the plane, um, the particular female CEO we were talking to was brand new in the role. She's like less than three months in. Okay. So when leadership changes is a time where the pain is high yep. uh, for us to come in. So we just kind of learnt the m- moments. Yep. And the situations that people would have an accentuated need for the product that we're building. And we tried to arrive at that moment with the messaging that they understood. Yep. And when we could do that and have a low friction path for them to experience value, mm. that's where I think we're most successful. So you're very much more outbound looking for those opportunities, trying to get in front of them at that time, or you're waiting for them to come to you? When you say outbound, when you say outbound, I think about like cold calling people or cold emailing people. Um, I think a little bit more about. Um, you know what people do? They go and search. They've been very successful at search. Okay. So just Google Ads? Google Ads has been very, very really? successful Amazing. for us. Yeah, People cool. Google certain things where in that moment yep. and you present the right solution that no one else is presenting and they're like, oh my goodness, finally someone's working on this so problem. So this searching, you know, like org chart software. I know, it's or very proprietary because yeah. all these massive global companies receiving hundreds of millions in funding that want to take us out. Um yeah, they, that's right, org charts or org design or like I'm trying to do this or I'm trying to do that and then in that moment they discover a, a product. There's got to be a better way is normally yeah. what they're thinking and then they like hit Google to try and find that better way. Yeah. I'll give you an example because Ty's sitting there. Also, are you okay me sharing this? So he literally went on LinkedIn. This is how we met. So Ty was... The, oh yeah, Cam posted on that. Oh my goodness, this is so cool. So no just to, just for reference, I've got one of our partners. So in our in the audience, Ty, I get this thing on LinkedIn, and someone has posted on LinkedIn. Hey, I'm looking for a Trello like drag and drop tool specific to org design. Basically, you posted on the post. Oh, like oh comment on that. Yeah, have you met Tim from Function? I'm pretty sure they're doing something in that genre. <laughs> and then I jumped oh, on right. a call, and he's like, Oh my goodness, exactly what we're looking for. And it was so early. I mean, oh my goodness, that was. 
I don't even know why you even try the product because it was very, that's all like a long time ago. I think we'd, it was not even, I had to send you a link to be able to use it because we didn't <laughs> even have an authentication engine built yet. Was this like startup weekend era? <laughs> no, no, this is, this is still, this is on our <laughs> third generation okay. of product. So, um, and that's a classic example of people reaching out. Yeah. Um, at that us, point, us at that, at that, that pain yeah. point moment. Absolutely. And I think the Google thing proves that if you've found a problem which is genuinely a hair on fire problem that people are, are compelled to find a solution for, yeah. then they're going to Google it. Uh, they're going to actually go out of their way to look for it. And that is very high intent, what we call high intent in the yeah. marketing space, right? So people are, look, are ready to find a solution. And yeah. if you've, you know that you're starting to hit product market fit when you start having the people come, come to you in that instance, right? Yeah, I think when they can't start, I mean, we can probably get to Tintax here, but when they start coming to you on those channels, doesn't mean you've hit product market fit. You've it's got problem. Messi- mess- problem market fit, like okay. message market fit. Yeah, yeah. So like, oh, we're using the right message to get people in. Then then it's like, hey, can we solve the solution? We can solve it in a really valuable way. Yeah. That's probably a, a more complex thing that we're still in the middle of working out. How, sure. How valuable can we become? How many people we can acquire? Yeah. And so definitely the start of our growth journey was very simply like in October last year we built a new website to take what we had learnt from our first 50 customers put it on the web and then go out with that messaging to Google and say like does this resonate yeah and we would have canned it within a month if it didn't yeah but you went hello world we were like oh wow look that's strange a lot of people showing up Um, yeah is there a way that you have in mind that you can turn the dial up on that next or what's the sort of next step to yeah yeah absolutely you can't just have one growth channel so the things that we think a lot about in terms of that so google's worked really well for us we're really lucky um we have a lot of people using the product that want to share their knowledge or let's think about like hey i'm an org geek and i'm amazing at mining companies Mm, and people talk to me about mining company structures like they did me and like ty is a specialist in marketing organizations all the time yeah um surely what i'm designing over and over again is kind of like got some similar traits or some similar templates and so we think there's a huge opportunity around the templating of what experts build in the product to getting into those niches and then yeah that's awesome and community experts and that sort of thing and tapping into their yeah you know contacts and everything can be super powerful yeah. right yeah super Sorry. powerful amazing that's ty massive shout out thank you <laughs> i love your jacket by the way that wasn't a hack i wish i had the balls to wear a jacket that since color. we're talking about ty so much yeah. ty does have an amazing podcast called growth generators yeah. which is really worth a listen as well which talks about organizational design for marketing teams bigger kind of corporate marketing teams yeah. and he has some awesome world-class guests on there too Really worth checking out. No, really out. true. We'll I didn't even know it was going to be here tonight, so I don't want people listening to feel like, oh, it's just a setup. You invited Ty along, and now you're shouting him out. I'm just stoked you wore his salmon blazer. Mm, I'm stoked what too. Could possibly be next for the future for you, Tim Brewer, <laughs> and for functionally. Next, right now. Yeah. Not like right now. Not after this, you're going to have a beer, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I hope I'm going to be able to have a beer. I we just launched our free free product so we're really focusing on optimizing that right now oh tell us about that uh so uh, i was in the obviously just asked about the us just yeah. come back from the us yeah. at sasta which is great software as a service conference if you're a software geek out in the crowd uh we launched our free intelligent org chart so our core 
bit scary, but we've taken our core first product and like made it free. Before we move on, actually, Sasta, you got, you guys have an awesome story about Sasta, right? When you first launched the, the yeah, Functionally brand? Yeah, we did launch uh, at Sasta in the US. Um, which awesome story? There was a lot of really good well, stories. Well, there was... There was inflatable unicorns or yeah. something like that floating There's, around yeah. or an alpaca or a llama yeah, or something. Yeah, we did. We ended up, you know what? Some strange... So this is what I've learned my whole life. So Damien, I'm like a pretty happy-go-lucky kind of guy. Damien's more the mathematician and he always teaches me to listen. He's always like, Tim, just listen to our customers, watch what they're doing at the time when they're talking to you and try and put yourself in their shoes. And he used to say that. I'm like, dude, I'm like an experienced business person with exits under my belt um, but he, he was right. You listen to customers long enough and eventually the dots will join together. One of those dots we walked into, we're at launching at Sasta. We were there for feedback at volume. So this uh, is like a Las Vegas kind of like wild conference that geek, like software nerds Yeah, come it was to in San Francisco, oh, San Francisco, so it wasn't in Vegas. Okay. Uh, it was, but we rolled up and at the time, I think we had to go to Walmart for some kind of something. And in Walmart were these llamas and one of the team were like, oh, llama, cool. I think it was my, at the time my sister was helping us out, bought a llama, walking back into like the vendor hall at Sasta. What size, are we talking life size? It was like fits in the overhead booth of a 747 (laughs) because I've traveled with it. Holy moly, that thing is way more popular than anyone I've ever met. (laughs) It's, but she walked into the hall. By the time she got to our booth, she's like, I've just had four or five people pull me over for shots to put on Twitter. I think we should get Frank a badge. Frank, <laughs> Frank the llama. I'm like, who's Frank? She's like, the llama. <laughs> I'm like, sure. So I put her in touch with the rego desk. She ended up getting a, a badge. By the end of conference, Sasta, all the other vendors, everyone was our friend. Yeah. And not cause of us. <laughs> because of us. No Frank. one even knew what we were doing. They're like, your product's really confusing. We were so early. We were yeah. like six months into prototyping. Um, but what we did, did do is build a lot of friends and, and learn an interesting marketing hack that if you go to a conference, llamas are really cuddly and everyone wants a photo. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and we just pivoted like right on the spot, made the call and F- Frank Llama has a Twitter account, a LinkedIn account. We went back this year, almost two and a half years later and everyone's like, where's Frank? Oh. Frank, people were tweeting him. Like it's so confusing. But yeah, there you just go. listen to your Sometimes you just got to embrace a bit of, yes, bit of quirk look. and fun. Yeah. Awkward embrace, yeah. Love it. Um, so going back to your new free product, you launched at yeah. Sasta. What's the idea there and why is that an important next step for you guys? Um, you know, people launch free for a lot of different reasons. In fact, it's the m- most well... Everyone in our team want to launch free. Everyone in our team had a different idea of why mm-hmm. and how we should do it. I've never... Is it, there's some things that are just really emotive. Yeah. Um, for us, it's really important for a couple of different reasons that I can't disclose publicly because they're not really obvious to the world yet fair enough but um effectively but on the surface it seems like a smart like just top of funnel thing to do to help people who are roughly in your customers yeah Yeah. a we wanted to be product led we wanted to be product led from day dot b um there's a lot of people in smaller organizations that we're never going to want to monetize that need help with their org charts and what's out in the market today is pretty underwhelming or they've got to go try and call deloitte and so we wanted to fill that gap in the market before anyone else and have gone 100% free for our intelligent org chart. Yep. Very exciting. That's cool, mate. Thank you yep. for sharing that with us. Pleasure. We're getting close to the end. Whew. Something I didn't mention in your intro is that you 
actually are a very generous mentor to a lot of other startup founders. Yeah. Uh, you were the entrepreneur in residence for Plus 8, the accelerator program here in Perth for a number of years. Mm-hmm. A lot of founders have really benefited from your advice and expertise over the years. So this is probably a hard, kind of hard question because you have so much of it, but what is the one piece of advice that you give to founders who are looking to I grow? Have, I don't know if I have a lot of advice. Um, know why. Like growth is really hard. I think that in all my experience meeting, the, the lucky thing for me is I was eyes wide open when I founded Functionally. Like I knew how hard it was going to be. I worked with other founders that were later stage. Yeah. Um, they had a lot of people and a lot of problems in their organization, like every company. Um, and so I think if you know why, you're willing to stick at it long enough. Mm-hmm and um, become that overnight success that's been working on something for nine years. And and I think just being really real to that, and I try and just be as honest as I can with people in that regard. Um, so if you know why, you'll do it for long enough. And if you do it for long enough and listen to your customers hard enough, you'll eventually work out how to kind of crack that nut and um, do something really, if you want to, do something really large. Or if you want to, do something for lifestyle. If you want to, do something to sell and just get ahead in life like there's no kind of magical pathway yeah for, for us we're trying to build a billion dollar business we're real upfront about that yeah we're, we're tackling a massive problem in the market um but you know that's not always the it's not the only way to do it yep. the, and uh, i think sometimes we think that business is the center of the universe or those goals are the center of the universe but sometimes it's just having your daughter at your own company event uh, cool. Which is like the, the most special thing on, on planet Earth, wearing your own merch, which is super cool. <laughs> Do not let she our kids know well, that his daughter gets merch because I'm going to be in so much trouble. She has a toddler like, version of I do not have enough right money now. to give you two merch and you're growing too fast, so <laughs> like you're off the merch list. <laughs> yeah. Well, mate, th- thank you for that. And Yeah, it's so important to have purpose and a reason that you're doing what you're doing every yeah. day and you, you clearly do. So thank you for sharing that with us. Now it's show and tell time. Oh, uh, I'm not going to ask you to show the scar or anything like that from <laughs> your that. surgery. Well, that's good. But what is the what in, is your f- just in fairness? Like yeah. I'm Steve Irwin today, yeah. and I did <laughs> contemplate wearing the button slightly lower so you could see my heart surgery <laughs> scar. That would have been. Then I was like, oh man, I really loved Steve Irwin. I don't know if that's appropriate. So it's off it the table. Halloween. I am not doing it. What's your favourite tool, device, toy, piece of software that you use and you can't you can't live without right now? Functionally, <laughs> <laughs> it's not supposed to be the answer. Yeah, no, no. Uh, look, in, in my day to day life, what I can't live without um, is probably I'm actually really enjoying HubSpot. Yeah, at the right. moment. Yeah, we're a big user of HubSpot. From a BD kind of like CRM, you know, from CRM, business development, marketing, like it, it, we're all about engineering. We've got a few sayings we have internally. One of them's like engineer the business, and we find that HubSpot compared to others is a really light touch way to Mm. scale our activities in marketing. It's integrated in our product, and I did it all on the fly as the CEO. Right. without needing an operations team to constantly be there doing stuff in the product yep. uh, that keeps us all on the same page and helps us understand. I mean, what? I don't know what we're up to. How many customers have we had come through the tr- trial system so far? It's like up to 5,000. 
it's getting pretty big. Like wow. it's a lot of people. That's superb. If, well if done, you guys. can't have a way to capture all of that right. eloquently, you're going to lose your opportunity to learn. Yes. And so I'm just geeking hard on, I think they're doing a great job, build a great product. Um, they are just a stunningly efficient, like yeah. they know their stuff. They know how to convert you from being the free user on CRM to leveling up and buying more and more features and yeah. it's built into the product. But so I'm okay, different. I'm like happy. I'm like yeah, a happy value for you, study yeah. on that. Yeah, so. yeah. No, they're, they're incredible. Yeah. HubSpot, it'll be in the show notes. <laughs> Final plug of product and so ask. So Damashar writes some good articles as well. Like yeah, oh yeah, they've got awesome good, content. Right? Real HubSpot. good, yeah. yeah. What should anyone do if they're interested in checking out Formalytics? Fun- Functionally? Functionally. Well, Formalytics has now got a slightly (laughs) different name, uh, but I can also promote that. I'm an investor there. Um, Functionally, they go to functionally.com slash free or functionally.com and check out the product. Uh, It's not for everyone, but if you are an org geek that deeply cares about your organization and you you are a part of helping uh, lead that change or understand the implications and impact of change, then, uh, you know, come check us out, give us feedback, use the product. And um, we hope to kind of help you on the journey of being an amazing org geek. We, we champion your cause. Love it. Tim, it's been awesome chat today, mate. Thank you very, very much for joining us up Thank here you. on the stage for Weird Growth, a special Halloween edition. Um, really appreciate it. It's been, it's been terrific. Thanks for having us along. Thank you, everyone. Have a good rest of the night. And thank you all for listening to another episode of Weird Growth. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode, if you're listening on Spotify or YouTube or Apple, please do subscribe. (laughs) Leave us a review or... And um, if, you, if you are listening to this, you should be watching it on YouTube because Tim has just put his Steve Irwin wig yeah, back on. Give I'm us your best crikey, on. mate. Crikey, mate. <laughs> Well, that's it from uh, for another episode of Weird Growth. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for listening. And until next time, bye-bye.